hear God's word to us from Isaiah. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. And as we gather this morning, God is here and you are welcome and accepted. We can find refreshment for our thirsty lives and food for our souls. Let's worship him together. We're going to stand and sing our first hymn. together. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are with us and that you long to meet us, to draw us closer, to meet our needs, to challenge and change us. We thank you for bringing us through the last week and confess that we did not always reflect your image as we should to a watching world. Forgive us, Lord, renew and refresh us as we praise and pray, worshipping you together. You are full of mercy and grace towards us, slow to anger and abounding in love. Thank you that we are reconciled to you and can know you, almighty God, 
Father, Son and Spirit. Lift our eyes this morning to catch a higher and fuller vision of you, which will bring about transformation in our lives that we might love you more, serve you better and have the privilege of being part of your reconciliation of all creation to yourself. We come to worship you together. Give us expectant hearts, open ears and a willingness to follow wherever you lead. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. lovely to be with you this morning. I thought I'd give you a wee bit of an introduction, a fuller introduction to me. Um, I'm Jacqueline. I come from Tillicutri, um, which is just outside um, Stirling. and is more famous for its uh, Stirling furniture warehouse. Most people know where that is. I'm married to Colin and we've got a little dog called Holly. We've got three children, Deborah who's 27, Gillian is 20, well, 25 next month and David is 22. Deborah and David gave us a, a hope that they were leaving home, went off to university, but are now back living with us. And uh, despite my best efforts, um, are enjoying it and finding the comforts of home very, very attractive. Um, Gillian lives in Falkirk with her partner Chris and their two-year-old daughter Grace with another one on the way um, in July, which makes me a granny, which seems completely ridiculous, since in my head I'm still 34 but um, there we go. Like Mo, I am on the national team of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Um, I'm convener, um, which I'm still after seven years trying to work out what that means. I do have responsibilities for lots of meetings, including assembly and council, um, but we all share leadership responsibilities in the team. And part of my privilege as convener here this morning is to be able to bring you the greetings from the other 163 churches that you are part of the family of. As I go about, it's lovely to get to know different people in different situations and see that as a family of churches together, we support one another in prayer and through our giving. And it is a very great privilege to be able to say that I can convey those greetings this morning. In our service this morning, we're going to be thinking about King David and how his psalms give us an idea of how he thought about things. David is described as a man after God's heart, 
but he had very obvious fears and failures, which we're going to see in one of the stories now. This story is about when David, before David became king, and although in the, the story some people call him king, they probably meant that he was just a mighty warrior. God has said that David will be king, but Saul is still in charge. And Saul hates David, and he's trying to catch him and kill him. And this story is about one of the times when David is running away from Saul. Now, I'm going to stop halfway through and ask you what you would do if you had been David. So you might want to think about that a wee bit. So the story. David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. Now, Gath is where Goliath came from. And you'll remember that David has already killed Goliath. So might not be a very good place to run away to really to go to the place where you've killed one of their prize warriors and to make it even worse than that David's weapon his big sword that he's taken with him it's actually Goliath's sword so it doesn't seem the most sensible place to run away to but anyway he's gone to Gath but the officers so all the other army of of King Achish were very unhappy about David being there isn't this David the king of the land they asked Isn't he the one that people honour with dances and say, Saul killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands? And David heard these comments and he was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. Now, I'm not surprised he was afraid. So what would you have done, do you think, if you were David? Any thoughts? Yes. Go somewhere. I think that would be very sensible. Anything else? Yeah, run away somewhere else might have been what I'd have thought to do. Well, I'll tell you what he did. So he, so that's David, pretended to be mad. He was scratching on the doors and he was dribbling down his beard till finally the king Achish said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone else like this be my guest? So David gets to go away, gets thrown out, and he escapes unhurt. What do you think? Was that a quick thinking of David? Was it a good thing to do? Or was he really telling lies? If he had asked God, would God have found a better way for him to escape? Who knows? The interesting thing about this story is that then David wrote a psalm about it. Psalm 56 tells us a bit about what David was thinking about this experience. And this is what David wrote. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? We can do silly things when we're afraid. But we can see from this psalm that now David is reminding himself that he could trust God when he's frightened. In the story, he might have done something a bit silly and not very honest. But he can learn from it and he can determine to do it differently next time. And we can do the same. We will do silly and wrong things. But if we're willing to look at them honestly, God can use them to change us And help us learn to do things better the next time. So instead of thinking about the things we do and being cross with ourselves, we can think about what God has taught us through them and how good God is to us. And that seems a better way of dealing it with things to me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for David and how he loved you even though he messed things up. Thank you that though we mess things up too, you can help us to learn through them and that you love us more than we can know and that you will always forgive us when we ask. Help us not to beat ourselves up when we get things wrong, but to remember your faithfulness and come to you quickly. Thank you for the young people here. Bless them and their leaders when they go to their groups. And may we all, whatever our age, know your love and presence this morning 
and help us to listen to all that you want to say to us. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to sing again together. This morning's reading is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, I will fear no one. The Lord protects me from all danger, I will never be afraid. When evil people attack me and try to kill me, they stumble and fall. Even if a whole army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. Even if my enemies attack me, I will still trust God. I have asked the Lord for one thing, one thing only do I want, to live in the Lord's house all my life, to marvel there at his goodness and to ask for his guidance. In times of trouble, he will shelter me, he will keep me safe in his temple and make me secure on a high rock. So I will triumph over my enemies around me. With shouts of joy, I will offer sacrifices in his temple I will sing, I will praise the Lord. Hear me, Lord, when I call to you. Be merciful and answer me. When you said, come and worship me, I answered, I will come, Lord. Don't hide yourself from me. Don't be angry with me. Don't turn your servant away. You've been my help. Don't leave me. Don't abandon me, O God, my saviour. My father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do, and lead me along a safe path, because I have many enemies. Don't abandon me to my enemies, who attack me with lies and threats. I know that I will live to see the Lord's goodness in this present life. Trust in the Lord. Have faith, do not despair. Trust in the Lord.
after Jesus, no other character occupies more of the Bible than David. Where Jesus is a perfect representation of how someone can live, David's life is a much more flawed example for us to learn from. Eugene Peterson says of him, The story of David isn't set before us as a moral model to copy. David isn't a person whose actions we're inspired to imitate. In the company of David, we don't feel inadequate because we know we could never do it that well. Just the opposite. In the company of David, we find someone who does it as badly as or worse than we do, but who in the process doesn't quit, doesn't withdraw from God. David's isn't an ideal, but an actual life. David's Psalms give us an insight into what makes David tick and how his mind, heart, body and soul work. God says of David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I think it would be a wonderful thing to know that God thinks you're a man or a woman after his own heart. Looking at David's life can reveal something of the sort of spirituality that God desires from us in a life that wasn't perfect. Psalm 27 doesn't clearly locate itself in David's life, unlike the one we saw earlier. Whilst a few people think it's an amalgamation of two psalms written at different points that were later joined together, most commentators believe that it's one psalm written at the end stage of David's life, around the time that 1 Kings 1, 1-4 describes, when Israel's king and champion of 40 years a man who's been full of dynamism and energy is now old and frail, cuddling into a beautiful young girl just to keep warm. This psalm seems to result from David reflecting on his life, perhaps recalling the various standout incidents. There's a sort of prayerful talking to himself feel about it, as if David is remembering something and then reflecting back to God the thoughts and responses that memory elicits. It's said that our memories of earlier times get sharper as we get older, and I suppose we've got more to reflect on and remember as we get older too. So, David's had many highs in his life. He experienced God's presence and power working in and through him as he tended the sheep in the hills around Bethlehem. As a young boy, he defeated Goliath, shaming the faithless Israelite army, including Saul, with his trust in God. He has modelled courage to stand up to his fears, and he's trusted God to work through him. He has tamed the Philistines and enlarged the kingdom of Israel. He has been close to God, intimate and lost in worship, hearing God's voice and seeing his power and intervention close at hand. David has had his lows too. He was misrepresented and misunderstood by a jealous, paranoid soul, the king who he'd served so faithfully, who then hunted him down to kill him, causing him to spend nearly 15 years in the wilderness, hiding and at times fearful. As king, He seduced or even raped Bathsheba and then manipulated, contrived and murdered to try and escape his sin before being challenged by Nathan and knowing conviction and confession of the dark places in his life. His sons sinned, hated each other and betrayed him. He knew loss of children, family, friends and especially his beloved friend Jonathan and even as king, had to flee Jerusalem. As this old man recalled these incidents, and no doubt many other besides, how could he have remembered them? He could have been self-congratulatory and full of pride of his achievements. I have enlarged the kingdom of Israel. I have defeated the Philistines. Look at my kingdom and all I possess. Or he could have been filled with regret and self-condemnation, lots of what-ifs. He could have wallowed in self-pity 
My sons rebelled against me. My friends and loved ones died. He could have blamed God for honours he wished to have had but wasn't permitted to. I wanted to build a temple to honour God and he wouldn't let me. Eaten up with guilt about his murder of Uriah, a noble, righteous and faithful man, he could have turned in on himself and refused to accept God's forgiveness and restitution. But we read in this psalm the sorts of things that David did choose to replay to himself. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? David reflected on the nature of God. God is light, salvation and protection. He knew himself to be safe, even in dangerous circumstances, because he could be confident about God's nature. God is a strong fortress in his life, stronger than David's enemies. He could recall different times and different situations where he had seen God at work and could remind himself of them. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above the enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. David knew that he was called to be a worshipper. God was his delight. This also brought him peace and protection when he faced troubles. David worshipped God even when he was criticised and mocked by others. He wasn't afraid or embarrassed to let his love of God and his commitment to serve him be seen by anyone. He offered himself freely and totally to God. And David wanted his people to worship God too. He spent much thought and time planning the temple that his son Solomon was to build, as well as putting aside a huge amount of resources for the building. David led the worship of God in Israel by his example. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant and anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. David knew that God listens and answers prayers. He looks back over his life and allows God's faithfulness to him over the years inform his present reality. He has a relationship with God and desires God's presence. David knows that God is faithful and will never abandon him. These words of David's speak powerfully of his heart to cling and be close to his faithful and gracious God. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. God is humble. David is humble, willing to learn, even at the end of his life. He wants to live rightly for God, whatever the circumstances, even if he feels himself threatened, falsely accused, and at risk of attack. David wants to trust himself to God, whatever the situation, and he affirms that God is good, and therefore he can have confidence that he will know God's presence and activity in his life. Throughout this psalm, we hear David's inner narrative of faith. Wait patiently. Be brave and courageous. He has learned to hold both success and failure well, trusting in God with a grateful heart.
So what about us? We can drive ourselves mad remembering things, picking over our lives in minute detail, asking the what if and why questions. Well, I certainly can. My oldest daughter, Deborah, asked me last night what I was going to speak about this morning. And when I told her, she said, that's for you, mum. You need to listen to that sermon. So I'm taking this on. We need to reflect on our lives. The what ifs and the whys aren't generally the most helpful questions for, for us to ask, though. Perhaps David's themes would serve us better or would serve me better. What have we learned about the nature of God as individuals and as a worshipping community together? Can we remember times when we have seen God's goodness and faithfulness to us, when we have seen him intervene to change our circumstances or our responses to our circumstances? Have we known God's protection, comfort and strength in our lives? And how can we remind ourselves and tell others about it? How do we worship God Does our reflection on the nature of God lead us to praise, to wholehearted adoration and commitment? Can we pray that God would accept our whole lives as living sacrifices? Is being in a close relationship with God the one thing we want over all others? Do we want to pray, believing that God is listening? Do we give him time to speak to us as individuals and together, deepening our relationship with him as we spend time together? And are we still open to learn? Or do we feel that we know it all already? Or that we've been there, done that, and we're tired and cynical, and lost the sparkle in our eyes and the excitement in our hearts, and we don't really know when that happened and what changed? As we think about our lives, we do need to acknowledge the good things, when we've done well, as much as recognising our sins and confessing and learning lessons from them. And having done that, we need to remember these things well. And remembering things well means that we can think of things not with pride or condemnation, but recalling God's faithfulness, gentleness, love and grace to us. We can recognise his interventions in our lives, owning his lordship and command. It is that sort of remembering that brings us strength, wisdom and courage. And it is that sort of remembering that gives us good stories to tell to one another, to spur one another on to good deeds, as Hebrews says. In David's life, as in our own, When we look back, there'll be a patchwork of good and bad times. Times when we have behaved well and times when we have let God, ourselves and others down. Whatever our story, it is good to trace the touch of God on our lives. David ends his psalm with an instruction to himself. Wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This injunction is also given to us in Psalm 31. Be strong and courageous, all of you who put your hope in the Lord. So like David, we need to reflect on our lives and think on them well to bring us strength and courage. To finish by reading Paul's instructions to us about our thinking. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Our inner narrative can be one of a reflection of God's goodness, grace and love in our lives, an encouragement to ourselves and others to persevere in the knowledge and strength of God's past faithfulness, which will continue in the future. I'm going to pause now and have a couple of minutes of silence to let us reflect on what God might be saying. As well as that, I might, I'd like to suggest that you take some time this week to reflect on your life and your story of faith. What do you say to yourself? What could you say to yourself better 
in the future. And Lent seems to me a good time to take some opportunity to have that sort of reflection. And I'll close our time of silence with a prayer. I thank you for the lives and experience of all your people here, for the story of faith that this church has had over 125 years in this community. Help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to reflect well in our lives, to see your hand at work in and through us, and to testify to your goodness and grace in good and bad times for your glory. Amen. Wait for the Lord. His day is near. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Our prayers of response this morning are in the form of a meditation, and you you may find that sitting comfortably and breathing deeply are helpful, but do what you find is most helpful. So let us pray, and let us listen for God. What comes to mind when we hear the words of the psalmist that God brings us light and safety? When in the last several months have you, have I, felt overwhelmed, surrounded or threatened? What were the causes or sources of these feelings? How did we respond? What is your, what is my fundamental attitude towards this little life? How does it compare with the psalmist when he says, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? 
For what are you? For what am I waiting on the Lord? What is your attitude in your waiting? Do we have hopes or desires of which we haven't thought as something which might involve waiting on the Lord? The psalmist says, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart. Loving God, renewed in our inner faith and with fresh courage, help our waiting to be active in the service of your kingdom. And so we pray for others, bringing to mind some of those who are in need this morning. Those who continue to endure terror and violence in Syria, in Libya, in Tibet, in Palestine in Nigeria those bereaved injured or made homeless by the devastating cyclone in Fiji those affected by the spread of the Zika virus in Brazil and in other countries in South America. Those enmeshed in the continuing trafficking and enslavement throughout the world, from factories in Asia to farms in the British Isles. And for those this morning whose need may be known only to us, and so we also pray for ourselves that we may encourage each other, that the light of God may renew our courage in the showing and telling of the good news here and throughout the world, and that we support each other, renewing our communal strength so that we do not become weary in doing good or doing what is right. And finally this morning, for our sister Jean Delmore who has died, we give thanks for a life lived in response to the psalmist's acclamation, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? May Jean rest in peace and rise in glory. We remain in prayer in the giving of an offering.
Let's pray. Open our eyes to all the blessings you give us, Lord. Help us to hold them with open hands for you to use as you will. Generous Lord, thank you for all you have given us. Thank you for this portion of our material wealth offered to you this morning. Give wisdom to those given the responsibility of using it. And may its use bless you and others. As we give our money, help us to give ourselves as living sacrifices to worship you. For your glory. Amen. Let's have, um, sing our worship to God again in our we go into your world as your sent ones. We go to reflect your image to a needy world, bringing your light, love, grace, truth and mercy. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip us with all we need for doing his will. May he produce in us, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. <laughs> 